Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. We are now at the end of January with warmer days ahead, we are promised. I am super thankful for each and every one of you who is taking this opportunity together with me to study God's Word during this challenging time. Uh, I just appreciate, especially in your small groups, all the ways that you build each other up and care for one another and encourage one another. That encourages me to see the body of Christ at work in those ways. So thank you for the vital role you play in the Bible study, every one of you. Now, you'll remember that in our study so far, Paul has greeted the church at Philippi, and he has thanked God for them, and he has prayed for all of them. And there's been so much to learn just from those first 11 verses. And as we continue now this week, we're going to see that Paul updates the Philippians on how he's doing, right? They want to hear. They want to know how he's doing. He's going to tell them, but his main concern is advancing the gospel, right? And that's the title of our lesson for this week, Advancing the Gospel. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, indeed, preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Everything that had happened to Paul, right? All the ups and downs that we read about in Acts, including the ones that landed him in his present imprisonment, had really served to advance the gospel. As Paul will say later in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, Paul was bound in chains, but the word of God was not bound. There's no holding it back. Quite the opposite. The gospel advanced. We're going to explore this week's passage under four headings found in the notes outline. Advancing the gospel through example and confidence in boldness. Advancing the gospel through goodwill and love in truth. And even advancing the gospel through envy and rivalry in pretense. And in it all, rejoicing in Christ proclaimed. So we start with advancing the gospel through example and confidence in boldness, found in verses 12 to 14. Paul wants the Philippian believers to know that what's happened to him, it's a serve to advance the gospel. And that's surprising, right? Think about it. When the, the hands-down, number one evangelist and church planner of the first century, if not of all time, is taken out, is imprisoned, God works it for good, right? To further or progress the gospel. The Philippians may have been concerned about Paul's imprisonment. They'd heard about it. They'd sent Epaphroditus with aid. 
And Paul wants to say, listen, God's ways aren't our ways. His ways are higher. Uh, I want you to understand that my chains, they aren't hindering the mission. They're actually, in God's providence, advancing it. Well, how does that work, right? I don't, I don't get that. Well, take a look at verse 13. Word had gotten around through the whole imperial guard, the whole praetorium, and to all the rest as well, that Paul's imprisonment was for Christ. And that guy over there in chains, you know, what's his story? What, what, did, what did he do to land here? Is it a thief, an insurrectionist, a murderer? No, it wasn't for any common crime like that but rather because Paul was in Christ. Paul's in prison because of his allegiance to the Christ, the Messiah. It had become common knowledge to the imperial guard, and these are elite troops, and everyone else in the palace also, that Paul's imprisonment was for the cause of Christ, because of what he preached about the Messiah. They all knew Paul was in chains for being a Christian leader and evangelist. You know, it's no surprise because Paul was always sharing Christ with others. Acts 28 verse 31 says that during his Roman imprisonment, probably the one from which he's writing this letter, Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness. So as they rotated through their four-hour shifts with this prisoner, eventually the whole guard and everyone else knew that Paul was imprisoned because of Christ. Paul's example was powerful. We see that in verse 14. Most of the Christian brothers and sisters, probably there at Rome, if that's where he is in chains and writing this letter from, have become confident in the Lord by Paul's imprisonment. And they are now much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. See, Paul's being imprisoned didn't intimidate his fellow believers. You know, better stay quiet. Look at what happened to our leader. I don't want to end up in chains. No, uh uh-uh. Instead, it gave them added confidence in the Lord to be brave and bold in speaking the word of God courageously. Again, it's God's mysterious ways at work. Now, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, I think, can be helpful here. I want to report to you, Philippian friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here, and everyone else too, has found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. And that piqued their curiosity. And now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever as they're speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. So Paul's message seems to be, yes, I am in prison, but don't worry about me. (laughs) The gospel is being advanced. Again, don't worry about how it is with me. It is well with the gospel. (laughs) The gospel was advancing inside the prison through Paul's powerful witness, and now outside the prison through the brothers and sisters who'd been stirred up by Paul's example. Paul's not having a pity party over his chains. There's no, woe is me here, Uh uh-uh. As Paul saw it, the gospel was way bigger than himself or his circumstances. You see, Paul's example 
of being a faithful witness while imprisoned had stirred up other Christians in two ways. Number one, to be more confident in the Lord. And number two, to speak the word more boldly, without fear. And it's not just true for them, right? That's true for us as well, right? Think about it. When we're confident in the Lord, then we're bold in speaking about the Lord, aren't we? When our confidences are grounded in the Lord, we don't worry about people, what, might, what they might think about us or what might happen to us. Instead, we're bold and fearless in speaking the word. So number one, the gospel is advanced through example and confidence in boldness. And number two, the gospel is advanced through goodwill and love in truth. You see, among the brothers and sisters who have been inspired by Paul's example to speak the word boldly, there are two groups. The first group is preaching Christ from goodwill and love and in truth. And and they understand they've got the content right. They're preaching Christ and they also have the motives right. They know Paul's been put in prison for the defense of the gospel. And these brothers and sisters, this first group is joining Paul and proclaiming Christ to others out of goodwill and love and in truth. Now, we can't be exactly 100% certain what the goodwill and love are here, but most likely, most likely they are goodwill and love for Paul in the midst of his imprisonment. In other words, this group, this first group, is aligning with Paul's proclamation of the gospel, and they're doing so out of goodwill and love for him. They, they know he's in chains to defend the gospel, and the gospel that he is sharing in prison, they are now sharing more and more outside of prison, all the while wishing him the best. So this group understands that Paul's imprisonment really had been appointed by God had been ordained, even in a sense, by God, so that Paul could defend the gospel there. And since Paul can't any longer, at this time, preach Christ beyond his imprisonment, they're kind of like stepping in to do what their comrade had been doing. They're, they're sort of picking up the slack, you might say. They're, they're filling in the gap by increasing their own evangelism. So they are definitely, this first group, pro-Paul. Goodwill and love for him. While Paul is in chains, they're preaching Christ more boldly. They're proclaiming Christ in truth. So, the gospel is advanced through example and confidence and boldness. And secondly, the gospel is advanced through goodwill and love and truth. And here's the big shocker. Number three, the gospel is also advanced here through envy and rivalry in pretense. Some, indeed, preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Who is Paul talking about here? Alistair says he feels comfortable doing Q&A times with audiences because he feels comfortable saying, I don't know. That's a little more British than Scottish, I think. But I love how under Alistair's leadership, Parkside focuses on the main things and the plain things. When we don't know, the best response is, I don't know. Right? And this applies to at least three questions surrounding how Paul can rejoice over the gospel being advanced through envy and rivalry and pretense. Question one, exactly who are these people and how do they relate 
to Paul's other opponents who appear later in the letter? Answer, I think they appear to be brothers, right? We get that from verse 14, who are preaching Christ. We get that from verse 15, verse 17, and verse 18, three times. But other than that, we don't know. Lots of ink spilled, lots of speculation. We just don't know. Question two, what exactly made them envious rivals of Paul? Were were they envious of Paul's reputation or... Or were they envious of his influence in Rome? He's getting all the attention now that he's in prison here. We don't know. Question three, why would they suppose that they could afflict Paul in his imprisonment by proclaiming Christ? (laughs) Which would seem to align them with Paul and even maybe endanger them in possible imprisonment. Why this odd strategy of his rivals to try to afflict Paul by preaching Christ? We don't know. (laughs) But that's not to say that we don't know anything. So let's continue with what we do know with more certainty. Question four, was this group pro-Paul? The answer, I think, clearly is no. Right? Instead of having goodwill and love for Paul, They had envy and rivalry with him. They tried to afflict Paul. They they thought they could aggravate Paul or add pressure to his chains is another way to translate it. So no, they're not pro-Paul. Question five, did they preach Christ from the right motives? I think, again, the answer is no, right? They were motivated by selfish ambition. They, They were not sincere. They were proclaiming Christ in pretense. They had dishonest or false motives. No. Question six, were they perhaps, as many commentators have suggested, especially in the older days, the Judaizers that Paul opposes in Galatians, or maybe the the false apostles that Paul opposes in 2 Corinthians? I think, again, the evidence is probably no. In Galatians 1, you remember, we studied this a couple of springs ago, Paul says that they were turning to a different gospel with his opponents distorting the gospel of Christ so that they should be accursed or anathema. That's what was going on in Galatians. And in 2 Corinthians 11, we studied last spring, Paul refers to those proclaiming another Jesus and accepting a different gospel. Whereas here in Philippians, even though Paul's rivals had wrong motives, he rejoices that they proclaimed Christ. He's rejoicing in the message they proclaimed. So there's no evidence here in the Philippians of, I think, Judaizers sort of moving in and invading a Pauline Gentile church with, with false teaching. Well, we might ask ourselves question seven then. Were motives unimportant to Paul? As long as Christ is preached, it doesn't matter about motives at all? And I think the answer again is no. Because Paul does make a point to contrast the first group who preach or proclaim Christ out of goodwill and love and in truth seems to be commended with the second group who preach Christ out of envy, rivalry, and selfish ambition and in pretense. Now, perhaps they thought uh, that while Paul was in prison they could gain converts to their own group maybe. 
and that would afflict Paul, maybe by making him envious, by, by their group growing. We don't know. But whatever they were trying to do to rub salt in Paul's wound while he's in prison, it was wrong. So Paul is clear, if you read the rest of his letters, and you can look up the cross-references, that having right motives does matter. It's not that Paul was unconcerned with motives. Well, then, question eight, how could Paul rejoice in what this second group was doing then, right? I think the answer is this. Though their motives were wrong, the content of their message was right. right? It wasn't, in this case, it appears, a different gospel or another Jesus. These rivals were proclaiming Christ. As commentator Frank Thielman says, at the end of the day, after all their efforts to oppose Paul, they have only succeeded in doing the thing that matters most to him. And the thing that his friends also do, they have preached Christ. So by God's providence, the gospel is advancing, right? Number one, the gospel is advanced through example and confidence and boldness. Number two, the gospel is advanced through goodwill and love and truth. And this third one, the shocker we just looked at, in this context, the gospel is even advanced through envy and rivalry and pretense. And the constant through it all, number four, is the thread that Paul is rejoicing that Christ is proclaimed. Right? That's how he finishes this section, verse 18. What then? <laughs> Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Not rejoicing in the motives, but in Christ being proclaimed. Paul realized that advancing the gospel, it was just way bigger than him or his circumstances. Right? God can even use people with wrong or perhaps mixed motives to serve his purposes. Paul may not like his unjust chains. In fact, I'm sure he didn't. He wanted to be released in a sense. And Paul certainly didn't like his rivals' insincere motives and the way they were trying to afflict him. But what really matters most is that Christ is proclaimed, and in that, he rejoices. People hearing the good news about Christ is good news for Paul. When people hear the good news about Christ, the gospel of Christ proclaimed, that's good news for Paul. Well, there's so many applications, I think, that we can draw from this week's passage. I'm just going to suggest four for you to consider as I bring the teaching to a close. Number one, when you face difficult circumstances, follow Paul's example in looking, actively looking for how God may be working through your hardships to advance the gospel, whether in your own life or in the lives of those around you. So number one, when you face difficult circumstances, follow Paul's example in looking, actively looking for how God may be actually working through your hardships to advance the gospel in your own life or those around you. Number two, when you have an opportunity to speak the word of God, which honestly, it's probably every single day if our eyes are really open through texting, through phone, through email through person-to-person contact, when we have that opportunity to speak the word of God, do it with boldness, not with fear, right? Confident in the Lord. 
when we have the opportunity to speak the word of God, be like these fellow believers who do it with boldness, more and more boldness, not fear, because they're confident in the Lord. Number three, when someone's doing Christian ministry, but eh, it's not quite in the way that you think is best, not really your brand of, of, of Christianity, try to get the big picture of whether or not the gospel is being advanced, right? Consider what Jesus said in Mark 9, verses 38 to 40. The apostle John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Right? He wasn't part of our entourage or our, our inner circle. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. And the same approach seems to apply here when the gospel is being advanced. So number three, when someone's doing Christian ministry, but not in quite the way you think is best, try to get the big picture of whether or not the gospel is being advanced. Fourth and finally, be like Paul in putting first things first. Right? Your, your comfort, I mean, remember, he, he's in chains, he's imprisoned, and your rivals, people who maybe have it out for you, trying to afflict you in some way, all those take second place to advancing the gospel. So if you're honest about your own life priorities, where does the gospel fit in? Right? Are, are first things first for you? And, and is advancing the gospel at, toward the very top of your list? Something to consider as we close in prayer now. Father, we ask you uh, this week and this coming month of February to open our eyes to see how you may be at work, even in our hardships, to advance the gospel of Christ. We, we praise you for using hardships in our lives and all around the world, including imprisonments, even today, of brothers and sisters, to build your church Keep us, Father, we pray, from taking a wrong view of others who may be not part of our little subgroup, but who are doing the work of your kingdom. And even when motives are not pure or they're maybe mixed, help us to rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. Forgive us, we pray, Father, for times that we have not put first things first. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us boldness to, to speak your word fearlessly. We don't just want to be hearers of your word. We want to also be doers, to be faithful ambassadors. Through Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.